0: this week's Worst Kept Secret in Journalism edition of Spin Cycle, <laughs> the show uh, we like to think of as therapy for the news obsessed. Uh, we are broadcasting from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, lands for which sovereignty has never been ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. I am Jess Lily, back in the studio this week after enjoying some... Uh, Sydney Ocean Swims last week I forget about how um integrated the ocean is to the city up there I know we've got it as well but you know it's a little bit further afield you have
1: to go to St Kilda for that I know no offense to St (laughs) Kilda you know we we are here in the inner north right now very very far from the ocean
0: and I'm a west western suburbs girl too so that is a long way um uh, and of course, that was the delightful voice of Rachel Withers, contributing <laughs> editor to the monthly. G'day, Rach. Hi, Jess. Charlie not here tonight. I don't know what he's doing. That way he was no, being mysterious. He didn't give an excuse. It's probably like a work party or something. Yeah, probably. Uh, the Nine Facts work parties, t- Christmas parties tonight. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping we might get a little mole on the inside <laughs> to
1: give us updates.
0: <laughs> well, though it's probably too early yet for the carnage to. Um, I know, but I'm sure everyone's on their best behaviour. For those of you who are tuning in to hear um, my uh, pre-announced Jan Fran interview for this evening, (laughs) we do apologise. But Jan forgot she was due on stage at the Sydney Opera House right now. Um, And, you know, that's a paid gig, right? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I believe when you perform at the Sydney Opera House, it's generally paid.
0: Yeah, I, I think um, we can give her a pass for um, for choosing the Opera House over Spin Cycle. But um, she'll definitely be here at some stage to chat to us. But fear not, because the equally brilliant crikey media reporter, Dani Saeed, will be with us uh, to chat through. I'm just going to do a really big bubble, the trouble with Australian journalism. <laughs> We're just going to keep it broad and see where we <laughs> land. Um, Dani of course, was... Um, a guest on the program a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago now, and I think he was in week two of his role as media reporter for Crikey. And boy, has he done some stuff what a since time. then. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll talk about that. Um, first up. Uh, as we've been doing every week now, we want to start with the latest Committee to Protect Journalists Figures um, of Casualties, journalists, Journalism Casualties in Gaza. This week the CPJ is reporting 63 journalists and media workers killed as of yesterday, 56 Palestinian, 4 Israeli and 3 Lebanese. And I just want to make a point that the uh, only numbers that have really been going up in the last few weeks have been of Palestinian journalists and media workers Um There are also 11 journalists reported injured, three journalists reported missing and 19 journalists reported arrested. Uh, If you do want to read more about um, how these figures or the data has been collected by CPJ or more about the the individual journalists themselves it's a really thorough um, it's a very transparent and thorough process and they document it on their website cpj.org and they also have um, sort of memorials and tributes and bios of for all the journalists as well so visit cpj.org. Rachel while I was away um, or not here. I mean, I only went away for one night, but I missed a week of Spin Cycle. Um, you made your debut in The Australian.
1: I mean, yeah, I think it was my debut. Uh, and The Herald Sun. The Herald Sun as well, um, often alongside more illustrious names such as Jan Fran, who was always going to join us tonight. Um, yeah, you know, they'd get the picture of, of Jan Fran, Tony Armstrong. Benjamin Law, um, Peter Grest, Um, and then yeah, no, I I was often included as an afterthought. Uh, Yes, specifically, you know, um, it was
0: about the um, journalists who'd signed the open letter. Yes, you know, of course, you can you know talk to the letter. You you mentioned it last (laughs) week. Well,
1: I mean, we we did talk about it last week, and I expressed my frustration um, to Charlie and the world at large that. These media outlets covering the letter very critically never actually put a link to the letter, mm. and this is a this is an ongoing pet hate of mine. When you are reporting on a, a press release or a letter or something, and you're selecting which quotes or or, or paraphrasing it, like, it'd be great if you could link to it just so that people can make up their own minds, can read it for themselves, um, yeah. and yeah, I will say the Herald Sun column that that ripped into a, a long list of us um, for um suggesting uh,
0: ethics in journalism.
1: Oh, uh, it suggested that we all had said that Israel should be held to a different standard to other nations. Mm. And I was like, where did we make that point? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was
0: the same standards. Um I think I think well, I think you've just revealed why they don't link to the letter.
1: Yeah, possibly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um well well done. Baby
1: baby made
0: the uh baby <laughs> made the as as, as uh, air quotes left-wing journalists. Oh
1: uh, no, I, I will say um that the Australian reference it said something like uh high-profile and award-winning journalists from the company that I work at. Um such as Rachel Withers and Rick Morton. And I was like, well, Rick just won two Walkleys, so I must be high profile. (laughs) I think Rick is the award-winning journalist.
0: A lot of people have subscribed to your newsletter, Rachel. A few. (laughs) Um, Speaking of the Walkleys, um, they have walked back, (laughs) lol, Uh, the nomination um, for the Spotlight Bruce Lerman the interview in light of evidence coming to light in his uh, defamation trial. You know, you'd be um, mistaken for thinking that he brought this trial, but he did indeed bring <laughs> trial against Lisa Wilkinson and Channel 10. Um, that was just announced this afternoon.
1: Yeah, well, it, it has been um, for, for the last few days we've been hearing from the evidence in this civil defamation trial uh, that. Um, you know, last week it was that Bruce Lerman had had his rent paid for him mm. by Channel 7 for a year in quite a nice apartment.
0: Which is still happening. Still happening. Yeah. yeah, well, it's, it's for still a year. Got, He's still got free, um, rent. free rent as we speak.
1: And this was an exchange in case, for... in case
0: anyone was wondering how he was funding his trial.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it, it, this rent paying began in April mm. and it presumably runs until April. Mm. Um, and this is for the exclusive story they had with him. Um, and pretty much from the moment these numbers started to come out uh, and and Bruce said he actually didn't know how much his rent was because that's all handled by Channel 7, um, it, people immediately started to go, well, hang on, how were they nominated for Scoop of the Year when this was access journalism? Mm. Like they paid for an exclusive that... that should have not been nominated, and basically, so
0: presumably, so the, the the requirements, application requirements, or or um, to be nominated, you have to um, you have to determine that you that the um, subject wasn't paid for the interview. Essentially, is that right?
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, uh, what people thought and what is acceptable is to pay for their accommodation the night before, the night of, the night after. You know, their mm. travel if they need to get them somewhere, um, and Channel 7 had repeatedly insisted that they merely paid for his accommodation around the interview. I, mm. I don't have the exactly- Well, the
0: way they worded it was vague, but that's the implication.
1: Yeah, yeah, that they didn't pay him excess of... A uh, hundred thousand dollars or whatever. Yeah, so this rent adds up. To. I think I think um, Sam Maiden found the listing online and then calculated what the rent for a year would be, and it was like over a hundred thousand. Well, there were,
0: I think her figures are different from others, but um, it was a flat in Maroubra, <laughs> and according to the Sydney Morning Herald, the rent is considered to be between twelve hundred and fifteen dollars, fifteen hundred dollars a week. It has a sea view
1: and yeah, and a pool and a spa. Um, yeah, I I mean, so, so the Walkleys have now today announced that, um, that they've, there was a statement and Mm. it said, following a review of these documents, the Walkley Foundation board has come to the unanimous conclusion that the seven spotlight story trial and error was not eligible for consideration in the all media scoop of the year category for 2023. Um, as the entry did not accurately describe the extent of benefits provided to Mr Lerman in exchange for interviews, information and exclusive access. I have a I have a question that this raises for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, Seven has, has uh, not been p- fully forthcoming with this information and it's been disqualified, but it, it baffles me that this was even eligible yeah. for a nomination for Scoop of the Year. How is interviewing someone and not actually realistically revealing anything new yes it was his side of the story but that's not investigative journalism that's interviewing someone yeah. I, even if they hadn't paid for his accommodation for a well, year i a still scoop. don't understand how that's a scoop yeah yeah it, why yeah yeah but it's quite obvious that that it, you know, it was it was a very favorable interview. Mm. Um it was Bruce tells his side of the story. And I, I just don't see how that's a well, scoop.
0: I mean, I guess presumably what they're trying to say is that um it's a scoop because they didn't pay for it i don't know but,
2: yeah <laughs> that's they, what i'm they, saying they even a, if they had... highest
0: bidder could have done the interview whereas they oh they got it they got it wow somehow. <laughs> they they got convinced him they to convinced um, him to
1: have a very uh friendly interview yeah I'm trying,
0: wow! I'm trying to find who won the scoop of the year, but I can't. That's a find that's him. a good point. We should. We I should... want to know what what beat it. Was it Was it? Um... Did you find it? I did. Uh, I've only. I can
1: only find another nominee. All media scoop of the year mm. went to Josh Hanrahan and Mark Mori from the Daily Telegraph for Kuma Taser scandal. Oh. Uh, oh, sorry. Sauce. That's the woman. That's the woman in the um, in the nursing home who was tasered oh, and died. Yes. I, w- I wasn't sure. I didn't realize that. Uh, that's what was. That's a was. pretty good scoop. That is that is a huge scoop.
0: I didn't realize it was cross media. The other one that was nominated was Andrew Pobrin and Jake Evans for ABC News, Lydia Thorpe and the Baki Boss.
1: That's a that's a scoop.
0: But I guess that's I'll a say scoop. That's a scoop. Yeah. Whereas a sit down interview with Bruce Lerman, not a scoop.
1: No, I don't. Th- I don't think interviewing. Someone needs a scoop. So... Unless you asked questions in such a way that you revealed something that, they, that the interviewee did not intend to reveal, then it's a scoop.
0: So you've embarrassed yourself on multiple fronts, Walkley. <laughs> <laughs> <There's not laughs> we were talking about this... Oh, um... if,
1: if Seven <laughs> lied, yes, but no, I, I would say this shouldn't have been nominated.
0: No. We were talking about this before the show, like... Um, how can we alienate? In how many ways can we alienate the mainstream media? And I'm like, hey, I can burn all the bridges. Yeah, <laughs> but, I, but so so I said that, not Rachel. I just don't put, want I'm to just burn that out any bridges. Um... <laughs> Let's see how many bridges we can burn with
1: our next guest. Well, uh, we're, we're very quickly going to just uh, just talk oh. about about open secrets. Ah, oh. without. Naming any open secrets? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, well, yeah, I mean, we might bring that into the, to, to our chat as well, but I did mention that at the top of the show. I do have yeah. a habit of um, of introducing a concept at the top of the show and then just and leaving it right there. I that we there. would talk
1: about open <laughs> secrets. I mean, I mean uh, look, we're not going to talk about any secrets, but I think it's an interesting day to talk about the fact that sometimes when a huge story that could be uh, defamatory and subject to l- legal proceedings in the near future breaks are uh, often Everyone acts like it was a big open secret. I mean, I we think, are talking I think... about the announcer, well, or the the incredible <laughs> investigation
0: that was. Oh, we um, can we can do that. We can do that. <laughs> Kate McLayman in the um, uh, Age and Sydney Morning Herald um, published an investigation today that I think is a few years in the making into alleged um, activity by Alan Jones, the former radio broadcaster, who I think it's in, one of the really interesting things. We're not going to talk about allegations because absolutely no doubt whatsoever that um there will be defamation proceedings from someone with you know pockets like that but um I think what's interesting is something that you forget like when someone's out of the media spotlight you kind of forget the role that they might once had but um it was made repeatedly the point was made repeatedly in the article how much power alan mm. jones wielded when he was the you know really the top of the pile in terms of those media shock jocks and certainly incredibly aggressive when he went after you know people individually or communities whether it mm. was prime ministers um julian mm-hmm. like julia gillard or or um you know there's um yeah he
1: he's he said that her father died of shame
0: yes and he also um made some pr- really horrible statements about Oh, she should ha- have something a sock stuff down her throat or something. Chuff that. Chuff to see. Yeah, uh, something. Anyway, like <laughs> I can't remember exactly. Said awful things. Really about bad him. stuff. So um, I think that's you know the, the the point was made repeatedly, and you kind of forget how powerful he was. Mm. Direct line to prime ministers and all these kind of people, uh, and the allegations are really really awful. And we that's as much as we'll say about that. But he but denies them. He denies them. Yes, thank you. We will say that. Um, <laughs> Um, but, uh, it's interesting, of course, the reaction of a lot of people is, you know, the least, um, it's like, there's no, no shock here kind of thing. Yeah. And there are a lot of people in the article quoted who used to work, um, you know, the media organizations he worked at who were like, you know, didn't necessarily say it was an open secret, but you know people knew about certain behaviors and that sort of stuff. and it does make me wonder, <laughs> speaking of scoops, <laughs> um, how how um people can turn a blind eye to evident behaviors? Well,
1: well, clearly people who work around this person uh, could or or around any alleged perpetrators. Turn a blind eye, but I think when it comes to the media open secrets, mm. there are certain rumors that remain uh well known rumors amongst a certain uh media class and and I'll say i had I had not heard the particular rumors that were reported today. Uh, in the Sydney Morning Herald Mm. of the Age. But people immediately like, oh, yeah, everyone knew that. Um, True or not. True or not. And it's it's so interesting that that these
0: are just allegations. Just
1: allegations. But it is because of defamation law in this country that things like this just kick around Mm. for years. And, I mean, famously uh, Harvey Weinstein, when allegations were made against him, which he has been found guilty of, Mm. um, everybody was like, everybody knew you know there were posters um, around Hollywood of, of Meryl Streep with she knew over her eyes, and like again, I didn't know. Um, someone should probably tell me some of these open secrets. Um, I don't. I'm really bad at keeping secrets. Um, but, <laughs> uh, um, I, but but do. Um, but the thing is. The, the the defamation laws, and especially when it's someone so powerful and so litigious, these things stay under wraps, so only people in the know get to know. And then only only journalists like Kate McClymont who can do the work and have a, probably a massive legal team behind them to check it, to make sure that it is as watertight as possible. That is the only way to get these things out there. Um, mm. and, and we've seen it. We've seen it go wrong when some media outlets in this country have taken an open secret, uh,
0: and, and really wanted the scoop wanted again the scoop for that word. And not report, done it right put, and
1: yeah, then lost the defamation case. Reported
0: too early or reported on rumour rather than actually. Yeah. I think also, though, I mean, we do um, challenge a lot of media behaviour on this show, but it talks to as well the absolute value of investigative journalism. Oh, so and important. Of these legacy news and media organisations actually putting the the funds and the resources and the time into these investigations, you know.
1: Mm. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, uh, um, I think the Walkleys, for, for all our mocking of, of a particular scope of the year nomination, <laughs> did recognise some incredible investigative journalism yeah. over the last 12 months.
0: Um, you'll get an invitation <laughs> one day, Rachel.
1: <laughs> I boycotted this
0: year. Oh, see, there you go. <laughs> I'm not cutting the ties on your behalf. I'm doing it for yourself.
2: Melbourne's own Triple R.
0: Danny Saeed is the media reporter with Crikey. And when we last spoke to Danny, I think it was in week two in the job, uh, he's since created one of the most discussed lists in um, the Australian media in disgust recent times.
1: discussed or discussed?
0: Disgust. disgust. <laughs> uh, talked about shared, widely distributed lists detailing all the local journalists and editors who've taken paid-for trips to Israel and Gaza, a.k.a. junkets. Uh, and he's also nabbed a controversial interview with Francesca Albanese along the way when she was in the country. Darnie has been busy. Today we're um, going to chat about this week's media outrage at the way Attorney-General Mark Dreyfus answered a question from a Sky News reporter mm-hmm. regarding charges against former detainees released who have been released after a High Court ruling. Welcome back to Spin Cycle, Darnie.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's a bit of a downgrade from Jan Fran, but I'll do my best.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not a downgrade. It's a little sidestep and a twist and a shuffle.
2: <laughs> um, a spin cycle, if you will. Yes. And I will. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for jumping on board. Uh, rather late in the day, we really appreciate it. But, you know, it, it was like you, you were the first name backup for Jan Fran. <laughs> that-
2: I'm very excited. <laughs>
0: um, uh, so it's been a couple of months now in the in the hot seat, in the media role at um, Crikey. How are you settling, settling in?
2: I'm loving it. It's great fun. It's, my team is is amazing. Gina's a fantastic editor. I've got some great friends. Uh, so that's lots of fun. And you know people are, Except that Charlie. people are talking. And Charlie. And yes, Charles, no, Charlie I and mean, him and, and hate all the him.
0: Rest of them. Um uh, and you've annoyed some people along the way, so that I count yeah. as a big win. Um yeah. <laughs> (laughs) Let's see who else we can annoy tonight. No, no, no. Um, Before we get into the Mark Dreyfus affair, I think it's, um, Rachel and I were talking before this, how important it is to add some context. Could you take us back a step or two and fill us in on the High Court ruling in question relating to indefinite detention uh, and how and why it came about?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So to sort of put all of this into context, we've got to go back almost 20 years. Uh, So, basically, 20 years ago, in 2004, there was a high court ruling on a Palestinian man, a stateless Palestinian man named Al-Khateb, and basically Al-Khateb was uh, born in Kuwait uh, to Palestinian parents who uh, lived there before the Nakba. And what happened is, as a result, Kuwait's nationality laws don't give you... Uh, nationality by birth, and so as a result, in the '90s, when the when Palestinians were expelled from Kuwait, sort of during the Gulf War era, uh, Al Qasem found himself stateless. He came to Australia by boat, uh, and as a result, he was indefinitely detained as an unlawful, uh, uh, as an unlawful. I've got to be careful with my language here, but I'm not going to be the as an unlawful uh, refugee or as an unlawful migrant. And so the High Court ruling on his case in 2004 meant essentially... And, and, and the High Court ruling was, was a landmark decision because what it did is overruled this idea that you could... overruled our initial doctrine on... or our standing doctrine on uh, indefinite detention. And al basically said that we could have indefinite detention in this country. Okay. The and that overall sort of a, a principle from a case called LIM. The that has sat for twenty years and obviously from two thousand and four to, to this year there's been a lot that's happened in the nation's refugee discourse, uh, in our refugee politics. We've seen sort of I mean it was just following Tampa, we've had we all decide who comes to this country, the terms on which they come, we've had the reintroduction of mandatory offshore detention, we've had the shutdown of Madison the introduction and the shutdown of Madison Bauru. And so what we've had now, sort of this decision recently, which was actually... And it was also a new High Court bench that, that introduced that so Justice Beach Jones had his first case on the High Court, uh, sort of being elevated from New South Wales, and he, this was his first decision, which is huge. But basically what this case that has just come through the court, sort of as of the last month or so... Is the overturning of Alcatraz, specifically, uh, and, and basically the, the basis on that is like our constitution says that Chapter Three Constitution says that you can't detain people in def- You can't detain people if you don't have the, the courts can't detain people. The oh sorry, only the courts can detain people. Um, you can't detain people on a punitive basis without having. Convicted them of a crime, uh, which okay. is otherwise quite reasonable. The what was
0: so it takes away out. the le- the right of, of of governments to change laws without to, to, with, without for a, a, a government court's
1: ruling to decide to detain mm. someone without a court making that call because it's up <laughs> to right. courts
2: exactly yes. exactly. Um, and so Al Qahtab was overturned in, in this most recent decision, and basically we found that it was. His case, because he was a stateless refugee, um, he we didn't have anywhere to send him back to. Um, we, we found that he had no prospects of, of, of settlement in Australia because he, he had committed some crimes. Um, I believe they might have been child sexual... Child sex care? I could be wrong. Uh, I no, the, the,
1: the, the main case, he was a hitman.
0: Ah. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: oh, yes. no. Have yeah. I got... Actually, listen. Let's not. No, no, we're make not going to say well, um, he had committed some crimes. Yeah, committed yeah, some let's crimes. not make up any accusations no, 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 no. yet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But, well, but basically,
1: this this ruling meant that not only he had to be freed, uh, but a whole a whole number of uh, different detainees who have been indefinitely detained because they uh, are unable to be deported and the government okay. didn't want to give them a visa. Uh, okay. All of these people. Had to be let out, um, and uh, you know a lot of them have been
0: convicted of crimes and served mm. sentences for those crimes, but yeah. were being de- detained indefinitely once the period of the sentence was up.
1: Yes. So, yeah.
0: as as with any citizen of this country, if you're convicted of a crime and you're charged and you're yeah. sentenced to a certain prison, when it's finished, you yeah. you are free. And
1: yet, and yet,
2: <laughs> and since, it's worth noting, since it's worth it, noting that it, it, The the Migration Act does provide, in a lot of, it's quite, Section 401, I want to say, is quite widely construed as well in that sense. And so what it says is essentially that if you've committed crimes in other countries, um, regardless of, and and oftentimes this is the, the basis for refusing visas, is if you've committed crimes in other countries, depending on the severity of those crimes, you may not get a visa regardless, and that is quite widely applied. And so a lot of those principles will apply to a lot of these people as well. Mm. Um, obviously, some of them are coming from, you know, political persecution where their crimes are a little bit, hey, how are you going? But, um, <laughs> the, um, but that's quite widely construed as well. So it's important to bear that in mind in terms of, uh, I guess, how the Act's... Operate. So the, the Migration Act is the best way I've heard it described was from my wonderful migration law lecturer, uh, Mary Crock, who basically said the Migration Act is designed to not allow people to migrate. Um, and it, so it's, I guess when we're discussing this, important to I guess bear that in mind.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and look, we are talking about a very, very select small group of people here who are people who are already here, who we cannot legally deport. There is nowhere to deport them to uh, legally. And therefore they are here and the High Court is saying um, you can not detain them indefinitely just because you want to. Um, I think, but I guess... How has this become a massive political issue? Well, exactly. This is basically turned into, even though um, it was a High Court decision... The coalition has decided to make this an enormous political issue and because of the extreme complexity that Danni has just given us, the media has <laughs> just completely eaten it up as, um, you know, the government has let these people out. And Criminals they, on the streets. And they shouldn't have done this and they should have been ready with a way to lock them back up again. But, it, I mean, is that possible, Dani? Like,
0: It's 141, I... by the way. I just was... It's, 141. Yes,
1: I think it's 148. Oh, okay, there you yeah. go. Yeah, it, it goes up every now and then because another okay. person is deemed, you know. Oh, I see. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, to the question, the 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 short answer is currently no, but that could be rapidly changing. Um, so currently no, uh, and and this is I guess the, the thrust of of the the interaction that we that Mark Drace has had with Sky reporter Olivia Kaisley sort of over the mm. last couple of days, but the the government is rushing through legislation to uh, to amend that essentially, and I'm off memory, has it has it passed both houses? It, it
1: yet? did. It passed yes. uh, last night. Um, and, you know, it was very rushed and we all know how good rushing laws are. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, mean I, think, I think it's important to point out that if you if you go to some of the more nuanced arguments in the media, it's why didn't they have whatever this is ready to go knowing the case was coming. But um, it, it's important to note that not all of these 148 people who have been released will be put back in under preventative detention. It's still going to have to go before a judge the new bill says that um, basically it's because the High Court has said politicians cannot make the decision to lock people up that's pretty undemocratic you know we have separation of powers so yeah even under preventative detention it's still going to be that the government must put each case before a court and a judge must decide whether that person is uh, bad enough or to be or must enough of a risk to the community to be locked up and and yet I think to, to, bring, to stick with the media here, and specifically to that, that question, um, that interaction you alluded to there, Danny. Mm-hmm. The, the media has just refused to grasp any of the nuance. It's all, why have you put the community in danger? Why have you done this? Uh, you know, not... Bothering to differentiate between the quote-unquote hardened criminals and, you know, a couple of a couple of the cases we've heard about had, like, traffic fines um, mm. in Australia. Um, and, yeah, what we saw today... Uh, oh, sorry, yesterday was a press conference that uh, the Attorney-General, Mark Dreyfus, was giving alongside the Home Affairs and Immigration Ministers. Uh, and he was asked by Sky, a Sky News reporter uh, whether they owed an apology to people who have been uh, subjected to misdeeds of people who have been let out of detention because of this High Court ruling. So she didn't say that bit. She just said, do you owe an apology to people who have been subjected to misdeeds? And there's so much in that question that is, that is wrong. Um, but Mark Dreyfus... Gave quite a, a firm response. I think we can all agree. He said, That is an absurd question, which, yes, it is. Uh, he said, I will not be apologising for well, upholding,
0: upholding the rule of law. I will you, not. You're talking to three ministers of the Crown. And, of the Crown. And asking them to apologise. Right. Yeah, and asking them to apologise for something that they have no control over.
1: Basically, yeah. And then when she, the, the young reporter, tried to interject, uh, Mark Dreyfus said do not interrupt and he pointed his finger and it has turned into a massive story that that has seemingly overshadowed the actual issue we're talking
0: about. Because that would have required some research.
1: Um, (laughs) Yeah, what do you think about... It feels like we
0: are perennially revolving back into this conversation of an inability to, to, of our media to... um, to get to to get nuance to talk no. about yeah. an issue in all its all of its complexity, and I think this sort of relates a little bit to your interview with Francesca Albanese as well <laughs> um, Danny what do you think about why do we keep arriving at this point
2: um, I think there's there's quite a few elements so like if we look at Olivia's question the do you owe an apology? It is designed and I absolutely despise the term because you know, my 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 Labour people in the inner west will, will jump on it, my Labour people in Melbourne's inner north will jump on it. But it is designed to wedge the um it is designed to wedge mm. The, the Attorney General in this case, it's designed to yes, I owe an apology. Why haven't you given one? Or no, I don't owe an apology. Well, you think you are above an apology. Oh yeah, and then the
1: headline um, is Mark Dreyfus refuses to apologise. <laughs>
2: exactly. So, in, and, and likewise with uh, with Francesca Albanesi, there are a couple of questions at, at the at the MPC uh, where, and to be to be fair to the reporters in question, the one that went viral, she believes was it was made in good faith but it still comes to so daniel hurst from the guardian who's their foreign affairs correspondent uh said that he was perplexed by the use of the word domination um and because it was such an emotive word and he pulled it out of of her previous discussions on the matter which is fine but it it speaks to this idea of, of of soundbite reporting and we're looking for we're looking for a line we're looking for something we can we can "Quote: We're looking for something that we can put in a headline and put into 300 words and and put into a, a little a little pastel shaded daily odds Instagram square um, Ooh. and the spicy <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that that that's a function of I I hate to like be to to sort of be very you know hand wringy about." the state of, of, of algorithms and SEO and whatnot but it is partially that uh, it is also partially a, we we know that it works we know that people click on it so and then mm. when it pays that when it pays for ads and it turns around and so uh, some some of it is us just having the responsibility to, to be better than that, and I think there's there's also a, a way to, to do that in a way that drives traffic and drives SEO and hits all those markets and pays us as journalists, um, or for the most part pays us as journalists depending on on your model, or and also gets a message across in a really succinct and a really um and in a really clear way. The problem is that there's little to no interest in that because we're creating our own bubbles, News Corp creates an audience that works for them and and play to it. there's no interest in growing it as long as you retain it Uh, and Mm. likewise with with, you know, other media outlets that end up being siloed, I Mm. work for Crikey, there's there's no secret as to what our audience is Mm. Um, and it's largely people who, you know had drips in
0: their
1: Twitter
2: handles. I I mean, what what really... (laughs) What
1: what really bums me out, I think, about about these questions that are um, very much built for a particular purpose and to get a particular outcome, to produce a particular piece of news for a particular audience, is just how much time is wasted um, on what, Ostensibly was a press conference mm. about new, very extreme preventative detention laws, and you know, there's rather been... than challenging those laws and how oh, they came to be, it would be and great how they to were have some through. questions. And, yeah. and to be honest, it would have been great if I would spent today writing about those laws. I mean, mm. I did write about them uh, the day they were announced, and, and um, but you know, I can only put out one column a day. But, but can unfortunately, I just, the story I just want of the to... day was the interaction.
0: Yeah. Uh, but I, well, and you're sucked into that vortex as well. Well, you've got to debunk it, right? Or, but I, Oh, absolutely. That's I not know. a criticism. And no, that's more I
2: thought, content, right? That's more content. I,
0: I do, <laughs> I do need to point out the headline of Rachel's column, The Fastest State... It was very good, very good. Um, I think that was very good. <laughs> I guess my question to both of you around that is, you know, it is. There's, there's no chance of. I know we're, you know, it's a 24 hour news cycle. We're 24 hours or four, nearly 48 hours in after the press conference, but there's no sign of this abetting. It's spread like a virus to kind of all the other um, publishers and you know opinion columns are propping up left, right, and centre. Um, in nine facts and others what to what end like where where what is the demand here what is the you know where does this how, how does one of these kind of cyclonic little ep- news episodes die out like what happens
2: i think i just wonder whether the aim is to make it and this is the frustrating part about the discussion like rachel said we, we've lost the actual substance of the conversation because I, I think it is in, in a lot of cases, there's a desire to, um, from some outlets, for, for the Albanese government to be politically unpalatable on this. Um, the, uh, which is, I, I guess, fine. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one to come on radio and, and, and hand ring about the, the merdocracy or whatever because it is established. <laughs> um, but the that that that's the end game right is to make the government be unpalatable on this and the really frustrating part like you say rachel is that we've lost the nuance of the fact that the government are doing what what a conservative would want on this mm-hmm. the, the government the government are rushing legislation to be able to detain these people again the, the attorney general has said over and over and over again and so has the home affairs minister that given the opportunity given the legal opportunity they would detain these people again um, because the state of refugee politics in this country hasn't changed for twenty years, mm. um, or not substantially for twenty years, um, and instead we're and and instead there's an opportunity to to have a go at the government and make it partisan, when the reality of it is that it's absolutely bipartisan.
1: Oh, I mean, I mean, completely. But but that's because the coalition have played this game very successfully with the help of the, uh, you know, Murdoch media. Um, I think I think this particular episode um, is a perfect distillation of of why we can't really have any serious conversations in this mm. country. And, and you know, not to quote myself, but um, I wrote You've about been very
2: good
1: about it. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I wrote about this incident today. Not to be like, let's get sucked into the the noise. Like partly to be like, this is what the noise means. Um, But also to be like, this is exactly what they want. At at no point in this three-week horror, um, and I'd say today was, you know, one of the worst days, um, but at no point did we really get to have a national conversation Mm -hmm. about whether we actually even think we should be locking up people who we deem a threat indefinitely. There was no time for that because from the second the High Court decision was handed down and we it's got like maybe scary we got maybe on the streets. 24 hours of like oh wow we we finally it's a shame that politicians didn't decide to end indefinite detention but the High Court has freed us from our evilness mm-hmm. and and then it just turned into an enormous scare campaign mm. that has gone on for weeks and weeks and so we never got to talk about whether Actually, we still want to be a country that locks people up indefinitely. There's no space. There's no time. If Labor had originally wanted to have that conversation, they couldn't. Uh, they just fell right into line with the with the Murdoch media. And this is why we can't talk about anything. This is why well, we can't talk about Stage 3. This is why we can't talk about AUKUS. This is why we can't talk about inequality. Um, or the way the voice campaign went. No, yeah, we can't talk about anything because... The Murdoch media and the coalition will stamp their feet and scream and so Labor won't go near it.
0: Well, as you pointed out in your column today as well, Rachel, Peter Dutton in a radio interview said someone you know, should ask them why they they haven't (laughs) apologised. And then at the press conference, lo and behold. Um, I'm just going to change our subject momentarily. Dani, uh, it's no secret you're a massive cricket fan. And um, there was a series of tweets that were quite jaw-dropping that you made um, this week Um, about uh, a Fox um, ticker that appeared um, over a cricket game. Can you fill us in on that?
2: Yeah. um, So at risk of... uh, Before I, I guess, fame Fox, um, as it turns out, Cricket Australia are responsible for for what I'm about to describe. Mm -hmm. And so basically what's happened is Pakistan have come over, the country country of my heritage, have come over. They're going to play three tests against Australia... And then there's two tests against West Indies. They will always play sort of tour games against... And every year there's a game against the Prime Minister's eleven. So Albo's been at Oval in Canberra this week. Uh, and he is literally involved in picking a side of sort of mostly the next generation of cricketers. Uh, the, best, the best cricketers in the country, the male cricketers in the country that aren't in the test side at the moment. And the... Where are you? What's Sorry, just... my apologies. Um, I've... My apologies. I've just left cricket training, and one of my teammates uh, has, knowing that I have this interview, has driven past me. <laughs> <laughs> my oh apologies. my god, that's so good! I hope love that person's it. also
1: um... listening and hearing their beef on radio. <laughs> so, what
2: was they saying? Uh, the the Pakistan player, the prime minister's eleven. And when they started the game, the ticker underneath, which normally would read traditionally Pak, P-A-K for Pakistan, read Paki, mm-hmm. uh, being the next letter. And for those of you who are a little bit more culturally educated, Paki is a well-established slur for those yeah. of South Asian and Pakistani heritage, yeah. uh, particularly from the UK. Uh, and that that was rectified very quickly. How did it goodbye. happen? Well, I had a chat to CA. And essentially what's happened is that it was an AI-generated situation. It was automatically generated. They've used some new software, and they hadn't tested it with a Pakistan name before. Mm-hmm. And turns out the producers didn't have eye or they say the producers didn't have eyes on it. Until it went out,
0: and but we're not going to have to worry about that anymore, are we? Because there won't be any. Oh no, it's. I guess if, if it is Fox, there's no one needs to be sensitive to uh, acronyms in the future with cricket because it's not going to be on free to wear TV. It
2: nothing's going to be on free. We're, we're all going to have seven thousand streaming services, and they're all going to cost <laughs> twenty nine ninety nine a month, and no one's going to watch anything. Yes, no one's watching anything. Uh, so what you're alluding to uh, for our listeners who are probably very perplexed about why I'm so upset, is <laughs> Amazon have recently bought the rights to IC- or the Australian rights to ICC events, which includes the World Cup until 2027. Uh, Amazon obviously have their paid for subscription streaming service and they've got the rights to, to some swimming at the moment. They don't do a lot of live sport. They do a bit more in the UK and the US. They do a little bit of the NFL. They do a bit of the Premier League. The reason this is a problem is because we have, quite publicly at the moment, anti-siphoning laws. And basically, we have laws that say that certain events have to be on free-to-air television.
0: And most sporting events come under that. (laughs) Correct. Yeah.
2: Um, And so, events of national importance. So, the Matildas weren't on the list until this week. Uh, or or the last couple of weeks, and the Albanese government has made a huge deal about it. We're protecting women's sport. We're protecting your right to watch the Matildas. We're we're a champion of Australian sport. What the Albanese government have neglected is that, notwithstanding the fact that the Matildas were on free-to-air anyway, because the way the laws work is they give, when events are on that list, they give free-to-air broadcasters first dibs.
0: But they still uh, but have they to pay for them, right? Yeah, 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 they still have to
2: pay for them. Uh, and if free-to-air broadcasters don't want them, then they'll go to uh, to paid broadcasters if they want the rights to them. The and as a result, ODI cricket at home has been taken off that list, and so no one watches it. And mm. now no one goes to games. And you know, when we were growing up, you would pack out the MCG for seventy or eighty odd thousand people to watch. One day cricket because that's what you did in the summer. And last summer, 10,000 people showed up mm. because no one knew it was on because it wasn't on free to air television. Mm. And it is a massive part of the national identity. Albo spent his entire work at the TAMS 11 saying as much. But his own government, or his communications minister specifically, has left self one day international cricket from the anti-siphoning list. So we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, the Amazon may well on-sell the rights to a free to air broadcaster when we get mad about it sort of later next year.
0: I reckon but- you'll be um you'll be leading the charge, Danny.
2: I will be. I will be. It's our right. It is of national importance and Australians should see as much sport of national importance on freeway
0: television as we can. I just remember cricket on TV being extremely dull, but, you know, that that's that's where we differ in opinion. <laughs> but it's on TV, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was on TV. Um, thank you so much. We've been talking to Dani Saeed, the uh, media reporter at Crikey, please uh, do yourself a favour and read Danny's column. It's excellent. Danny. thank you. And please, um, you need to make a trip uh, down south and come and join us in the studio.
2: I'm coming in two weeks, Jess. <gasps> oh, my God. We're not going
0: to be on air. Maybe we'll have to see if we can do a special show.
2: <gasps> I would love to. Thank you so much for having
0: me.
1: See you, Danny.
2: Radio. Three triple R. Uh...
0: Sort of finally feel like uh, a little bit of summer, which is so sad that it also comes with dread these days. <laughs> we are living through a major existential crisis. Wow,
1: what, a, what an intro <laughs> to our light ending! Well,
0: I was, we were just saying, I mean, it, there is no light, there's no light news anymore. It's like it's an indictment of the times, an indication of the times that the most sort of entertaining, um, ongoing news story at the moment is a defamation trial in a you know alleged sexual assault case, but here we are. The, um, some of the revelations in the um, Bruce Lohman defamation trial against um, Lisa Wilkinson and Channel 10 have just been jaw-dropping.
1: Yeah, and and I think we'll, in terms of reading the news right now, we'll take entertainment anywhere we can get. Um, and I, there's a, there's just a constant constant mantra that, that people are sort of repeating to each other at the moment, this, which is, he brought this on himself. I know. Um, and, you know... Of course he denies the allegations, uh, he is suing uh, to say they're not true uh, and we make no uh, inference either way but the things that have come out because he chose to open a wound, he hadn't been found guilty, he chose to do this Mm. Um, and for me... I think I saw my favorite one yet today, and yeah. I'm not. I'm not watching the live stream. I, no. I need to focus on politics, which is my job. Um, but I opened the Guardian at around lunchtime today, and they've got a live stream blog for this trial. And the headline on the the big white letters on the red background: <laughs> Bruce Lerman defamation trial live. Linda Reynolds, former aide, tells court Lerman gave her quote bad vibes based on, quote, <laughs> women's intuition. And I just I just laughed until I cried. Um, it's, it's, you could just never have evidence oh like that in a criminal God. trial. Oh, my God. No, you couldn't because vibes don't count for a lot in a criminal trial but because this is defamation and it seems like anything goes, anything anyone thinks is relevant to to this trial. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he has uh, uh, had because he chose to sue... He has put on the public record that Linda Reynolds' former aide got bad vibes based on women's (laughs) intuition from Bruce Lurman.
0: And that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. You can find us every week on your favourite podcast platform.
1: And you can follow us on Twitter at Naj Samble, at Lily Juice
0: and at The Shuffle Diary.
1: You can also listen in at rrr.org.au via On Demand for the radio version of the show.
0: Wanna support Spincycle? Become a Triple R subscriber. Your subscription helps keep the station running and helps Triple R produce and create great radio and podcast content like this.